Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. We have a great show today. We're going to talk about what's the percentage of fans that Aaron Rodgers needs to win back. We will talk about Rodgers' relationship with the fan base right now. Where does it sit? How does he get in the good graces? Where are we sort of netting out in terms of the Packer fan and Aaron Rodgers? We will then move on to the NBA draft. We'll talk about what the Bucks could do with their 31st pick. I have a few names to run through that could be potential options for the Bucks. We'll break those all down. And then lastly, we will talk about if the Milwaukee Brewers don't do anything at the trade deadline significantly, are you going to be okay with it? Are you going to live with what the Brewers have right now? So that's our show. I hope you guys are doing well. Let's get into it. All right, so Aaron Rodgers is back at Lambeau Field. He's back in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He went through the first day of training camp yesterday. Aaron Rodgers plans to meet with the media later this morning. Um, Who knows when we'll get this up, but when we do, Aaron Rodgers will likely be talking to the media uh, with a lot of sound bites. I guarantee you there is going to be stuff there from Rodgers that we will take and we will talk about it on the podcast tomorrow. That is almost a lock. Now, there are a large group of fans who maybe aren't in Rodgers' good graces, who don't really like Aaron Rodgers at this point. I think that can change. And I think that the Packer Nation is a little bit divided, not necessarily divided like they were with Brett Favre, right? With Brett Favre, it was a totally different story when it was pitting one against the other. This is not the same thing. And I know that a lot of people like to compare it to Favre. It's totally different, right? Rodgers never made any intent to retire. Rodgers never did retire. Um, This was never Jordan Love's team. Now, Jordan Love took a bunch of practice reps this offseason, which actually is very good for him. Uh, If anything, it was a guy kind of holding out without actually holding out this offseason and raising a lot of issues with the Packers organization. And Rodgers basically telling them, I do not want to be a lame duck. I do not want to do what happened to all of my friends, whether it's Randall Cobb, who might be coming back, Jordy Nelson, uh, uh, who else? Julius Peppers. I've mentioned a few that have sort of got that lame duck treatment. TJ Lang's another example. Uh, Josh Sitton got caught. You know, I don't think Rodgers wants to be the next version of that. Rodgers wants to kind of go out on his own. And so Rodgers and the Packers got together and they figured out a plan. Now, there is a variety of Packer fans that are out there. And we're going to go through them, diagnose them, and talk about if Rodgers does need to win back some of those fans. The first group of fans are maybe what we call our Nolan Murphys, right? That are all in. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it is what it is. The Packers trade Rodgers this offseason, whatever. It's going to be an awesome ride, and they're here for it, and they're ready to strap in and get set. I think those guys are no need to win them over, guys and gals. Let's, let's make sure we mention our ladies, who we know there's a lot of Packer fans that are women. Um, but no, they don't need to win those people over. Those people are already in. Those people have already pushed their chips in. They're ready for an NFC North title again. They're ready for a one seed in the playoffs again. They're ready 
for a Super Bowl. Those people do not need convincing. They are the ones that are should be doing <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' dirty work to try to get everybody else on board, to get everybody on the bandwagon. There are those who I think are in, but understand that this is the last year and are mad at the organization. I think there's a good group of people who are in on this season, but are furious at Brian Gunacus and who are very, channeling a lot of their Ted Thompson 2008 energy. Now those people, it, it's interesting, right? Because Ted Thompson's getting honored at, at the facade in Lambeau Field when the Packers play the Lions in game number two this year. So first home game of the season, first game with full fans back, Ted Thompson will be getting honored by the Green Bay Packers. It was wild to me the overwhelmingly positive reaction to Ted Thompson getting that honor rate. People fucking hated Ted Thompson. People were not Ted Thompson fans. They killed Ted Thompson throughout the years. They were so mad at Ted Thompson for the Aaron Rodgers move. They were so mad at Ted Thompson for not bringing back free, uh, veterans. They were so mad at Ted Thompson for not signing major players. And there was a lot of rage from Packer fans. I mean, I have old Facebook posts when Facebook used to be like Twitter where I was defending Ted Thompson. I was in the comments talking about why Ted Thompson was a good GM. I've been on the Ted Thompson is good hill for a long time. But I mean, there were Twitter accounts, Fire TT. I mean, all sorts of bullshit, right? And now this guy's getting honored and there's positive sort of look back of, oh yeah, Ted Thompson basically helped the Packers get to where they are today. It's such bullshit, right? So these fans that are mad about Aaron Rodgers and mad at how Brian Gunacus handled it, it, again, you don't know, right? Like that's the fucked up thing, unfortunately. We don't know what the next five to 10 years bring. If in the next five to 10 years, Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl with another team, we're going to be pissed. Just like Patriots fans right now are livid at Bill Belichick, right? They are proud, they're, maybe there's not all of them, but there are some of them who are very upset at Bill Belichick. And if Brady wins another one with Tampa, it's gonna get even worse and even louder. But if the New England Patriots come back to glory and they win a Super Bowl in the next five years, let's just put it out there, then it's gonna kind of be for naught, right? It's gonna be like, this was the plan all along. Mac Jones is this new leader of men. And Mac Jones is the new Tom Brady, even though he won't be, right? But it like that's that's way too hard. Like I, I mean, I've been, I was listening to some NBA draft stuff yesterday, and you'd have been Mobley getting Giannis comparisons, and I'm like, Giannis, two-time MVP, like NBA Finals MVP. Giannis is one of one man. You can't compare Giannis. And I kind of think Tom Brady, even though his skill set right is pretty easily replicable, he's one of one in the intangibles, and I don't think you can compare him, but. If New England were to win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones, he would get Brady comparisons because that's just what we do. That's how it's how sports work. But that would that would basically moot. It would be a moot point with what the what the Buccaneers did last year. So it's the same conversation if say the Green Bay Packers don't win a Super Bowl and you have another playoff exit this this season, and Rodgers decides to leave 
and he gets traded to the Raiders or he gets traded to uh, the Washington football team, which I actually don't think they're going to trade Rodgers to the NFC. I just don't think that's going to happen. But they trade Rodgers somewhere. And Rodgers goes on and he ends up winning a Super Bowl with that team. There will be a lot of salty Packer fans. There will be a bevy of them. There will be probably more than these section of fans that are mad at the organization right now, but yet all in on this season. That said, if Green Bay comes back and wins the Super Bowl themselves with Jordan Love, is anyone going to be mad? No. No one's going to criticize the Packers. It's going to be another 10 years or 12 years or 14 years with a great quarterback and basically this lineage of quarterbacks, almost like a dynasty of rulers, whether it be in Asia or Russia or in England back in the day. Like These are all obviously not, not the same thing today, but that's the kind of dynasty that the Packers will be building with quarterbacks if Jordan Love is as good as some people think he is. And that would basically, again, be a moot point. But Ed Warder, who had one of the awful takes, like the classic roll out the ball, every fucking August somebody has this take. Ed doesn't like swearing. So sorry, Ed, for fucking cursing. I apologize. You probably won't listen to this, but I just want to make sure I apologize for my foul mouth. Anyways, Ed's like, well, I can't believe it's 30 years of Favre and Rodgers and they only have two Super Bowls. Dude, it's so hard to win Super Bowls. Do you understand that? Like, does anyone actually comprehend that? The Packers' playoff success, I think any Lions fan would take. Any Browns fan would take. Hell, even any Vikings or Bears fan would take. The Packers have had more success than almost every NFL franchise in football. So it's ridiculous that there are some who criticize the Packers for only winning two Super Bowls. I don't know if you know this, but it's kind of hard to win those. But going back to the sections of Packer fans, there are the Packer fans that are just completely out, that are said, all right, whatever. I'm going to cheer for the Brewers. I'm going to get ready for the Bucks season. There might be a gap between that, but I could probably ride out the Brewers and Bucks for the rest of rest of the fall. Right? You could just watch the Brewers in August and September, ignore what's going on in the Packer season. Then if the Brewers continue into the postseason, the Bucks will start on October the 19th. So then all of a sudden you're like, all right, we're back into the into the Bucks season and we have nothing to worry about. And there is, you know, we're we're all there. So you can basically carry out the Brewer season to the Bucks season and maybe you keep a loose eye on the Packers, but you're spending your Sundays in fall going apple pecking or doing, you know, antiquing with your significant other instead of actually watching the games because you just don't give a shit anymore. I think there will be some apathetic Packer fans. Those are going to exist. Now, I don't think they're going to be as much as sort of what I alluded to on Saturday because Rodgers came back. It wasn't... It'll, it will depend on his attitude. I'll say that. So I not to reverse my point, but it'll kind of depend on Rodgers' attitude. I think if Rodgers is very nonchalant, cavalier, sort of it's more about him than it is the team, I think the apathy will grow. But I do think that there's a small group of fans that are just going to not really care about this season. And they'll come back once Jordan Love's in, in place, once sort of the dust is settled. But they'll sort of let the Packers hang out in a distance while watching the Brewers and then the Bucks once the Bucks get going and the Brewers season is over. 
And then there are those who are probably all the way out on Aaron Rodgers. And, and those people exist, right? My mom's kind of like that. She's not, I wouldn't say she's all the way out, but she she's not as big of a Rodgers fan as she is a Brett Favre fan. And those people still exist. Now, she wasn't like a big like Favre Far first in 2008, she didn't really like Ted Thompson, but she wasn't one of those people. But at the same time, I do think there are a lot of people who just are like, all right, I don't give a shit. I'm out. Like, Rogers, fuck him. It's not, I don't care about this guy. This guy's a diva. This guy is me first. Like, he's not like Giannis. Like, I'd rather cheer for Giannis and Yelich. I I don't want to cheer for Aaron Rodgers. Those people are going to be out there. And those people will be the loudest when anything goes wrong for the Packers this season. And the second group of fans that we're talking about, the ones that aren't all in, are the ones that will be calling in the sports radio if the Packers are 2-2 two and two, or the Packers are 1-2 and two, and say, oh, you know, uh, this Rodgers, you know, he he made a big deal and now we're, we're struggling to start the year. I'm not surprised. This is, why I, this is why I didn't really care that much about this season. That's why I've been focused on the Brewers and what they're going to do in the World Series. That's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear a lot of that. You're going to hear a lot of that from the sports fans that are calling into Bart's show or Gabe and Chewy's show or anything else. Like those, that's what you're going to hear. And it's not surprising, right? That That's part of fandom. So I do think the second half of this conversation of the Packer fans that Aaron Rodgers has to win back, he'll win them back. It just takes winning, right? We're all addicted to winning. And we're all addicted to the allure of a championship. And if the Brewers get closer, fuck, if the Brewers do it, everybody's going to be thirsty for a Packers title. And that's that's how, that's how it works. And you can say, well, that's front-running, that's bandwagoning. That's just sports, man. It's how we are. The real diehards, yes, they stick around when the losing and shit's not going well. But it's better when everybody's all in. And trust me, if the Packers are 7-2 and two, or the Packers are 8-3, and three, everybody's going to be all in. Moving on to the NBA draft. We have the NBA draft um, on Thursday. The Milwaukee Bucks have the 31st pick. Uh, it's a pick from the Houston Rockets. They did a good old-fashioned pick swap. Uh, the Rockets have the Bucks 24th pick. Now, Kevin O'Connor was the only one I saw reporting that the Bucks potentially are looking to move out of 31 to potentially add a veteran in their backcourt. So they could maybe upgrade their backcourt without exactly making a pick. And that pick could be very luxurious for a team trying to rebuild, right? It's a perfect spot. You could get a guy who might have fallen out of the first round and you're the first pick in the second round. Now, personally, I would like the Bucks to hold on to the pick. I understand that getting more veterans and continuing your championship run makes some sense, but I do think you want to start building the next generation of the Bucks as well. You want to build guys who can kind of contribute with Giannis and you don't kind of have to worry about their contracts for a few years. You saw Jordan Nora playing for Team Nigeria drop 33 points. If Jordan Nora can figure out his defense, Jordan Nora can be a bench player for the Milwaukee Bucks next season. What Cam Johnson did for the Phoenix Suns, now Nora is shorter than Cam Johnson, but what Cam Johnson can did for the Phoenix Suns last year, that can be Jordan Nora's role. Coming off the bench, giving the Bucks great minutes, hitting a bunch of threes, 
and just providing that energy, providing that microwave, that spark. Nor can be that guy. So maybe the Bucks getting a veteran and he has a contract that isn't, you know, too constrictive, they can sort of look at it and say, all right, Nora is sort of our rookie this year. And that's who we're going to lean on. And maybe even Sam Merrill as well. I, Sam Merrill, another guy who can kind of be a Cam Johnson-like player. I think that's what the Bucks should hope for with Nora and Merrill next season. So if the Bucks don't decide to make a, a deal, or a, they could draft. And there are a lot of guys that fit what the Bucks are looking for. Probably looking for a two-way guy. Probably looking for a perimeter player. Probably looking for a guy that can get buckets. Those are sort of the three things that I think the, are on the Bucks checklist. And there are a variety of names to discuss. Now, so what I did is I looked through a few mock drafts. I did my own research as well. The draft guide on the ringer is awesome. Um, but I basically looked 21 and later and I said, all right, who are guys that could potentially fall and could give Milwaukee a real piece, a real sort of asset for, for the Bucks. I started out with Jared Butler. Now, Jared Butler is being mocked in the early 20s, so probably Jared Butler will not fall, but he does have some medical issues, so maybe that will drop him, and he is a little undersized, only at 6'4", but the guy can play. He can shoot. He can defend. He was part of that great Baylor national championship team. Jared Butler is a guy I could see contributing right away. And he has the skill and the ability to sort of be a player for Milwaukee. Io DeSumo is a guy I think that a lot of people will talk about. I think Io is maybe the name for Bucks fans right now. And it's a combination of things, right? Number one, he was a Big Ten player of the year. I think everybody loves that that part of it. And there are so many Bucks fans that are also Badger fans. So that watched Io this season and were in on Io's year. Um, Io, Io is a great combo guard. He's a guy that can defend. He's a guy that can score, get to the bucket, um, run an offense. I think Io is an ideal player for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not sure, though, if Io is going to make it to 31. To me, Io is a guy who could fit with Brooklyn. He's a guy that could fit with Phoenix. He's a guy that could fit with Philly. Um, I, I just don't know if he's going to last all the way to 31. It would be great if he did. But I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it with the, the skill set he has. Even though it, he, if he's a little undersized as a wing and he's more of a point guard than he is a wing, I still think Io's going to find a spot with some one of the good playoff teams that are drafting before the Bucks. Cameron Thomas, he can't defend. He can't stop a sneeze. But dude can defend like anybody. He's instant offense. I don't think Cameron Thomas is going to make it. But Cameron Thomas has not seen a shot that he doesn't like. Now, so you can kind of get into that with microwave guys where you're like, are you just irrationally confident or are you stupid, right? Are you are you just going to put up dumb shots? And maybe that's not what the Bucks need. And Cameron Thomas might be too similar to Jordan Nora. Um, Trey Mann also kind of fits that profile, right? Where he's a guy that can shoot. Trey Mann might be a more realistic option than Cam Thomas, but he can't really defend. And so that's really Nora-esque. And do you really want another year of that? I don't think so. I don't think that's what the Bucks would want. But who knows? Miles McBride's another one. He's short. Like, he's 6'2", but he's a really good defender. He's physical. He can get into the lane. He can shoot a little bit. 
I, I like that idea. Um, another guy who I think might not make it because you, I think the the elite teams are going to look at a guy like Miles McBride and say, "All right, we can add this guy and he can contribute and play for us right away." Quentin Grimes, another player out of Houston that I really like. Um, good shot maker, can do a lot on the court. Good size, six five. So he's a combo guard that can get to the basket and can also shoot a little bit. Jason Preston, a name that I've heard a lot about the Bucks, but he's considered the best pick and roll passer in the draft. He's a guy who's kind of came out of nowhere. He, you know, basically wasn't recruited that heavily, has rose through the ranks in Ohio. I always kind of like those guys I because I think they just are harder workers. They Nothing's been given to them. I think Preston's personality would fit in with this Bucks team, and I think he would be able to contribute right away. And having a guy like that as your backup point guard at, to kind of spell Drew Holiday from time to time and spell others and having him just run pick and rolls with the honest with Chris with Drew even I think that would be extremely vital off the bench and a guy you could kind of mold and get ready for the next championship run Joel AI I think I'm pronouncing it right he's not much of a scorer but he's a really good two-way player kind of an underrated Gonzaga guy that isn't being talked about as much as guys like Kispert and Drew Timmy and, well, not really Drew Timmy. Jalen Suggs, I think, would be a better example. I don't think Drew Timmy... Is Drew Timmy part of the draft? I I haven't even seen if Drew Timmy is mocked somewhere. So apologies to Drew Timmy for that that sideways shot. No, Drew Timmy is not mocked anywhere. I can't, he might be coming back, actually. that That's a bad... That's a bad draft take by your boy. But yeah, I mean, for Gonzaga, it's really Suggs, Kispert, and then it's, it's a... I apologize for mispronouncing his name as well. Obviously, this has went off the rails. There are a few other guys that are like younger who they could take a shot on. But again, I don't know if that's going to help the Bucks today. And I don't know if that's what you want. Like a guy like Jaden Springer, he can defend, but he, he needs time to develop. So, I mean, Jaden Springer, you could throw out there as a guy to just kind of defend and be relentless and sort of provide a reprieve for Holiday in terms of guarding perimeter perimeter guys. But he's young. I mean, he's 18. And while if the Bucks were kind of hanging around, like they were a four or five seed and they might not yet be at a championship, I'd be like, yeah, bring Jaden Springer in. But they've won a championship. I don't know if that's the type of guy you want bringing in. The same goes for like a Josh Christopher, who I haven't heard his name much, but you look at his sort of skill set. He can shoot. He's good off the dribble. He didn't really play for Arizona State his freshman year. He only played 15 games, so I worry about that a little bit, a little raw. But at the same time, I'm I can I can understand being in on Josh Christopher with his skill set now. It's you're asking a lot though, especially if you're you're going to basically be a championship team again, which the books are. So I don't know if that type of guy makes sense. Springer and Christopher are good names, but they're not great names in my opinion. Some of the other ones mentioned are. So I, if I had my quote unquote Bucks big board, I would say it's the Sumo. I would say it's Miles McBride. I would say Grimes, Ayaye. And Preston. That's how I would kind of order it. Any of those I'd be fine with. We we probably spent, I don't know, what is it? 
nine minutes and then we'll end up talking about how the Bucks traded it for some player and we'll talk about that player's impact for the Milwaukee Bucks instead of actually holding on to the pick. Lastly, let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers uh, have the trade deadline coming up. A lot of stuff happening in sports. We'll do a little more on the deadline tomorrow. Kind of go through some of the big names or the names that make sense for the Milwaukee Brewers. But if you read Jeff Passan's big uh, deadline preview, and Passan is the Woj and the Shefty of baseball, he hasn't fucked the Brewers over yet, so he hasn't really earned that badge. Uh, you know, Shefty, obviously with the Rogers story, Woj blowing up the Bogdan story. Like Passan needs to kind of have that with the Brewers. Now he was a dick about the the Ryan Braun stuff. I don't really forget that. I know Passan is well liked. I think he's fine now. I think he's kind of grown into his role. And sometimes people, that just happens, right? That happens in sports all the time. I think it can happen in journalism too. And Passan's now become this newsbreaker, and I, I think he's better for it. But that said, he didn't really mention the Brewers at all in his mega draft pre, or mega deadline preview, deadline draft. You, you, you get how it's easy to, to trip over that. And the only time he mentioned the Brewers was potentially Anthony Rizzo. They're like, like, Brewers need first base help, but I don't think Anthony Rizzo would be a realistic option for the Brewers. He's absolutely right. Uh, there is no way in hell the the Cubs would trade Anthony Rizzo to the Milwaukee Brewers. That To me, if that happened, hell would freeze over. Like I'd have to go to hell and check that there is ice there because that, that to me is very unrealistic. There is no way... That would even come close to happening. So there's the names like Max Scherzer, Joey Gallo, Chris Bryant, Rizzo, and maybe that's why Passan didn't mention the Brewers because two of those guys will not be moved to, to Milwaukee, Bryant and Rizzo. Now Scherzer not being considered with the Brewers, I would imagine the Brewers are on his no trade clause. And then Joey Gallo, who's a player that was mentioned for the Brewers, but no one really has seen the Brewers check in on Joey Gallo. I haven't seen that. John Heyman's been kind of all over the Brewer check-ins because they were checked in on Trevor Story. I think they've checked in on Josh Donaldson, um, but they haven't really, there's no Gallo Brewer rumors. Now, Brewers do like to kind of live in the shadows. The Brewers have been known to kind of do a surprise bitch out of nowhere. And so I could see that with Joey Gallo, right? He fits what the Brewers need. A first baseman, he can hit for power, that short porch in right field at Miller Park. I mean, it would invoke Prince Fielder memories with Joey Gallo on this roster. And I know the Brewers are getting a lot of production out of Rowdy Telez all of a sudden, but Gallo would be a significant upgrade at first base. Also, the guy can play. He defense. He's a pretty good defender as well there, which helps, which only helps the Brewers elite pitching staff. So I wonder if the Brewers are kind of in the shadows talking about Joey Gallo. And if you start seeing mystery team with Joey Gallo's name, I wonder if that mystery team is the Milwaukee Brewers. But yes, they are not mentioned with some of the big boys. So the question I posed at the start of this show was, would you be okay if the Brewers don't make a big move? My POV on it is yes. So I think this Brewers team is good enough to compete for a championship. I think they have enough depth. I think they have enough pitching. I think they right now can compete for a World Series crown. Now the problem is, 
that other teams in the National League are going to make moves. The Padres already made a move for Adam Frazier. They're apparently in on Craig Kimbrell of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Dodgers are in on Scherzer. The Dodgers will make some sort of move because they're the Dodgers. The San Francisco Giants will also make a move. They're apparently in on Chris Bryant. Um, they're potentially in on Max Scherzer. So there are going to be moves made by some of the big teams in the National League West. I think the worst move that could happen is Scherzer to the Giants because right now the Giants do not have the starting pitching to hold up with a team like the Brewers, a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers, and maybe even the Padres. The Padres, to me, still need a starter. Like If the Padres or the Giants got Scherzer, I would not be pleased, and the Dodgers for that matter. But that's apparently where Scherzer wants to go. That's where the rumors were. Ken Rosenthal had that this morning, that Scherzer is looking more at the NL West. That is bad news for the Brewers. Getting Max Scherzer to the American League would be the goal, would be the dream, right? Because we don't need Max Scherzer in the postseason. We just don't. We don't need a Max Scherzer postseason appearance. We need Max Scherzer to be in the American League. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to see that. I think it's more unrealistic than realistic. So does that mean that the Brewers have to make a move? Not really, honestly. Like the Brewers have a good roster. They've already made a move. And that's going to be what the Brewer water carriers will say. It's like, well, they made their moves. They made a move for Willie Adamas. They made a move for Rowdy Tellez. The Brewers have been wheeling and dealing all season. And so they were kind of set with the guys they had. And could they pick up a reliever off the scrap heap? Absolutely. Those relievers are always available as you know they have the waiver wire thing that happens later in August. Now, there will be a lot of teams that could potentially block the Brewers, but there will be relievers potentially available as the summer goes on. So I'm not going to wring my hands if David Stearns doesn't make a move because he already has made a couple. And I, I think that can't be forgotten even though it's going to be the line from you know Brewer HQ and it's going to be a line from the beat writers, I don't think it's a bad line. I don't think it's a bad water carrying move because it's true, right? And it's paid off. The reason the Brewers are where they are right now is because they traded for Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas was the ejection in life that Milwaukee needed. Since Adamas has been here, the Brewers have the best record in baseball. Adamas should be getting mentioned for MVP stuff. He isn't. That's okay. But that's why the Brewers are thriving right now. It is not necessarily just because of the pitching staff. It's because they have more offense. They are able to put up crooked numbers. You saw what they did against Pittsburgh yesterday, right? Brett Anderson, great. He pitched shutout baseball for six innings. But the Brewers put up eight runs in the first two innings and let Anderson just cook. And as a ground ball pitcher, there's not much more you can like than a eight-run lead in the first two innings. So the Brewers didn't need much after that. And that offense, though, I, if, I would love to do this, and maybe I should do this for a podcast, is look at like how many five-run games the Brewers have had since May 22nd. Everything sort of switched for the Brewers on June 1st. I've said they were like the Aramis Ramirez of baseball, where first two months complete shit offensively, but the last two months have been pretty attractive for the Brewers. And the Brewers have really sort of got it done in the, in those last 
sort of 30 days. Like if let's take a look here because I have it up and, and I do have it versus lefties. They've been good against lefties in the last 30 days. So you look at the teams in the last 30 days from an OPS perspective. The Brewers are 10th in OPS. So that's on base plus slugging. You look at home runs hit in the last 30 days. The Milwaukee Brewers are, where are the Brewers here? The Brewers are 19th. So not, not great, but not like not terrible either. Definitely not terrible. The Brewers are second in walks since in the last 30 days. They have 103 walks. That's pretty damn good for, for the Milwaukee Brewers. And when it comes to strikeouts and where they are from a strikeout perspective, the Brewers are seventh, so not not great, right? They they are striking out, but it, it, it that's baseball, right? That's <laughs> it's part of baseball, and the Brewers are kind of having that that thing with baseball, and they're fifteenth in hits overall. So the Brewers are getting on base. So part of the reason why they have one of the top ten OPSs in baseball right now is the walks. They're taking so many walks right now and getting guys on base. We saw it last night, right? Avi Garcia takes a walk. Then the Brewers make sure that he advances. And then Lorenzo Cain drives him in. And that's how the Brewers, you know, manufacture runs. And they, they've been doing that all throughout the last 30 days, 60 days. And it's been a lovely thing to see. So, yes, I do think the Brewers need to make a move. But it, it's not dire straits. They've already made two moves, but we'll kind of go over some more names um, that maybe people aren't talking about as much that could be mentioned. We'll go through possibilities and realism. I know we just kind of highlighted Scherzer and Gallo. Um, I'll also note if Gallo goes to one of those teams in the NL West, yeah, that sucks. That's that's not fun. That's not going to make things fun. That NL West is an arms race, man. And unfortunately, I think they're going to get some of the big talent because there are three teams competing. So basically, the Nationals can be like, sup, boys, give me your best offer. And it's they're going to get some ridiculous offers for Max Scherzer. And that's because of the NL sort of arms race that is going on right now. And it's fascinating to watch. And it's basically the NL West, the Brewers, and everybody else. The Brewers, Brewers are there though. The Brewers aren't like some slum off the block, right? They're not. They're not this team who's like just sort of there. The Brewers are definitely in the mix as much as anybody else. And if you look overall or in the league, excuse me, the Brewers are only four and a half back from having the best record in the National League, which would also be the best record in baseball uh, with the San Francisco Giants there at 63 and 37. And they just beat the Dodgers again last night. So the Brewers are in that second position as the Dodgers would sink down to the wild card spot. But yeah, so the playoffs started today, Brewers and Mets. It seems like that will be the matchup unless something crazy happens in the National League East or in the National League Central for that matter. All right, we'll see if the Brewers can make any moves. We will talk more deadline tomorrow. We will also talk about Aaron Rodgers um, and who knows what else, right? Um, maybe COVID corner returns. COVID hot in the streets? Probably not, though. I, you guys, I know you guys don't like me talking about COVID. All right, take care. Have a good one. Uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Bye.